Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, August 22nd edition of the Basement Academy. Everyone put your thinking cap on. Now, we're going to begin with the morning psalm, real short. It's got some great language in there. God is concerned about justice. He is concerned about the oppressed. And so I think that's important, which is why we're having this whole conversation around gender justice, etc. But it's tricky, okay? And today we're going to need our thinking caps on. So let, let's start with Psalm 82. It's a psalm of Asaph, one of the early worship leaders. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere men. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth. For all the nations are your inheritance. Hmm. Psalm 82. Jesus quotes this psalm when speaking with the Pharisees. This notion of, I said you are gods. It's not that humans are gods, but we behave in a godlike manner, especially when we come together in systems and structures of power, like the Pharisees and Sadducees in the Sanhedrin who put Jesus to death. And so, anyway, interesting little backdrop in our daily psalm. Um, I didn't cherry pick that. That's just one of the five uh, for today. Okay, <clears throat> uh, yesterday we spent most of our time talking about some terms going through the LGBTQIA plus acronym. And it's the plus. I want gonna gonna do some of the plus today. I'm guessing that most of the terms yesterday were familiar to you, but there might have been a couple. Intersex, asexual, or asexual. Um, maybe a couple of the terms today will be a little unfamiliar. The terms may be unfamiliar to you, but they're probably not to your kids and grandkids or to kids who are in high school and college today. There's a whole new language. There's a new lexicon that is more well-known than we are aware of. <laughs> I'll say it that way. And so part of uh, this week, and essentially this week's going to be trying to get us oriented to some of this language, and, and so today's serving that purpose as well. So thinking caps on. A few more terms to know. Some of these are on the um, that, that gender terms handout that, that's there on the church website, um, but some of them are not. So non-binary. And so there are individuals, and this is increasingly happening. There, there's, a, there's a kind of a surge of this. We're going to talk about whether this is a social contagion or not. I'll leave that for another day. But there's an increasing number of 
people, mostly young, who are identifying as non-binary, which means neither male nor female. And they often, so uh, I'm going to talk about the pronouns uh, a little bit later in the week, but you know, pronouns, he, she, that kind of thing. A non-binary would choose pronouns of they or them or theirs, kind of a plural, right? So, hmm. So, um, it's an, un an umbrella term, according to the term sheet, for individuals who do not fit in traditional male and female gender categories. So, I'm non-binary. Um, and, and so, I'm going to talk about some of the implications. So, I'll, I'll, I'll save that for... for just a, just a moment. Uh, gender fluid refers to individuals who choose to move between male and female. So I was born a man. I am a man. <laughs> Always will be a man. But there are those who were born male, a man, but choose to identify as female. And then another time they might choose to identify as male. They might choose some of these other identities. They might choose to be non-binary at some point. So they move between gender categories and gender identities. And so just looking at the, the term sheet, gender fluid, Individuals whose gender varies over time. A gender fluid person may at any time identify as male, female, odd gender, or any other non-binary identity, or some combination of identities. The key, a gender fluid person may at any time. This is very significant because if we end up recognizing gender fluid in a legal context, men or women may move into primarily male or female spaces, protected spaces, by just saying, well, I'm choosing now to identify as, but well, yesterday, you were, yeah, I know, but I'm gender fluid. So yesterday I identified this way, but today I identify that way. So we have to pay attention to that. So non-binary and gender fluid are similar, a little different, but this notion of kind of moving away from either male or female they're moving into the, the, the spectrum and then often request to be identified as such and might be unhappy if you identified them in specific ways as a she or a he, etc. Okay, cisgender and its cousins, cis or cishet. Those are, these are like sh slang or, or shorthand abbreviations. That's the better word. And so cisgender, I'll read from the term sheet, individuals who identify with the gender that was assigned to them at birth. Now, we're going to talk about that whole phrase, assigned at birth, right? So you're not born a male, you're not born a female, you're assigned male or assigned female. So that's the, the, the new thinking that is emerging in this gender ideology movement. That, that's a, an assertion uh, that, is, that is made. So a cisgender, you are either cisgender or transgender. So if you're born a man and you identify as a man, you are cisgender or cis. 
If you were born a man, but identify as a woman, you are trans. So you are a trans woman, born male, but identify as a woman. I'm a, so I would be asked to identify myself as a cisgendered male, that is born male, still identifying as male, versus a transgendered male, born a female, now identifying as a male. It can get a little confusing, it's, it's tricky. So cisgender, or cis for short, or cishet, a cisgendered heterosexual. So cishet male or cishet female is sometimes, it's, it's kind of a shorthand way of identifying. Oh yeah, they're cishet, so da da da. So if you hear the phrase cishet, that's, it's your cisgendered and heterosexual, okay? Heteropatriarchy, that one, I don't think that shows up on our, no, it doesn't show up on our um, term terminology list. <clears throat> heteropatriarchy, hetero, heterosexual, patriarchy dominated by men. So the, the idea behind heteropatriarchy is, um, a, uh, 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 an idea that men are to be in control of society. Heterosexual men are to be in control of society or have dominance over women or females and gender minorities, okay? So all these different gender identities, LGBTQIA+. And so the idea, heteropatriarchy, generally speaking, is a term of... Do I want to say derision? Oh, you believe in the heteropatriarchy. So it, it would be used in kind of a negative context. It's not a neutral term. It's more of a negative term. It generally grows out of feminist um, theory. And so the idea, or sometimes it's just known as the patriarchy. If you've seen the Barbie movie, okay, it talks about the patriarchy, okay? And so you might hear that or encounter that language uh, more frequently. Certainly younger people, it's, it's a pretty common language. So heteropatriarchy is heterosex the dominance of heterosexual men over society, oppressing. And so the, the feminist theory goes further and says it's the system of oppression by heterosexual men, or sometimes it's cishet patriarchy, cishet patriarchy, okay? Cisgendered men, born, ma born male, still identify as male, you're heterosexual and you wish to, so you're not uh, homosexual, you're heterosexual and you wish to dominate all others, okay? The patriarchy, heteropatriarchy, okay? That's that term. Heteronormativity, is like heteropatriarchy, but it's a, a little different. This is the system of thinking that says heterosexuality, male, female, the binary of male and female, and, and belonging to each you know, other, that, that heterosexuality is normative. So heteronormativity says, is the thinking that says there's Male and female, that's the binary, and, and the, the proper form or normative sexuality is expressed between men and women only. That's heteronormativity. So the Bible is heteronormative. 
In the beginning, God made the male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. There's the heteronormative, uh, uh, heterosexual marriage, family. A man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one. So man and woman joining together marriage. So what I was talking yesterday, uh, yesterday, last week in the, um, uh, in the uh, Genesis Foundations, the Bible is heteronormative. Every time you see marriage, it's between man and woman. There is no uh, same-sex uh, attracted marriage. It's only between man and woman. And so heteropatriarchy and heteronormativity are related concepts, a little nuance of, of difference, okay? So um, I think we'll talk tomorrow about some uh, additional uh, phrases, or tomorrow, maybe Thursday, about some additional phrases assigned at birth gender-affirming care. There's um, top surgery, bottom surgery. There's these phrases that are, that are emerging and entering the mainstream of conversation, uh, pronouns, okay, um, and misgendering. Uh, so, so there's all kinds of other terms. I think we'll go through those in, in, a, in a whole bunch. But I wanted to get these in front of you because these are significant, because these are becoming part of the everyday nomenclature, everyday conversation in these gender justice um, arenas, if I could say it that way. Schools, in the medical community, the church community. And so the Presbyterian Church USA has you know FAQs that, that use all of this language. In fact, one of the priorities of the Presbyterian Church is to dismantle heteropatriarchy, and underneath it is this kind of doing away with heteronormativity. Privileging, don't privilege heterosexuality, don't privilege the relationship of man and woman exclusively, we ought to be more inclusive, hence the justice. And so the idea is that gender minorities are being oppressed, maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. And so I get the logic of our gender justice advocates in our Presbyterian church and in society. Um, so these are some of the terms, okay? Now, a couple pastoral considerations. Um, again, told you you gotta keep your thinking cap on, right? Um, <clears throat> The power of language. These, these words underscore the power of language, the power of words to shape reality. Now, we know that already from our scriptures. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We read that. God said, let there be light. God spoke with words. He created the world. It was the power of his breath. God breathed a world into existence. So God's word creates this, everything we see and even don't see. Psalm 33 underscores that. Um, by the breath of his mouth, he created the starry host, okay? And so language, words shape reality. We've got this theological understanding. And then John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. 
And so the, the incarnation of Jesus, he is the living word, the incarnate word, the embodied word. To see Jesus is to understand, to hear Jesus is to hear the voice of God. The word becomes flesh. It's embodied. So the power of language and words, we believe that. So words are being invented and created all the time. You know, 15 years ago, if, or maybe 20 years ago, if you'd have said the word, hey, Google it, what are you talking about? Google it. But now you say to somebody, hey, why don't you go ahead and Google it? Yeah, sure. You know, the terms search engine, you know, Google as a search engine. Ah, search engine. I don't know what that means. Now we know what that means, right? And so we could give example after example of new uh, words that now have meaning and then the whole world that shapes it. You Google it and you've got an internet. What is the internet, okay? Language also changes over time. Old words gain new meanings. So marriage, for the entire history of the human race, until maybe two minutes ago, right, meant a man and a woman joining together in some covenantal contractual union, okay? Different cultures, um, a solemnized marriage differently, but nonetheless, marriage was always a man and a woman until, you know, in our society, the Obergefell decision, 2015, where legitimately authorized, you know, our, uh, the, the, the legal structures and systems authorize marriage between two men or two women. That is now legally recognized in all jurisdictions. Now there are jurisdictions in our United States that are recognizing the, the, the legitimately multiple partners, okay? And so, you know, marriage now means something even different than, than it, not just two partners, but, but multiple partners. So that's, that's the example, okay? So, so this gender justice, gender ideology, gender identity movement is so driven by language four pages of terms, each with nuances of, of meaning, that sometimes we have to ask the meaning of the definition, right? I don't even understand the words being used in the definition or the description of the word I don't understand, okay? So just underscoring the power of language. Let, let me just say, if you don't know the meaning of a word, Google it or ask somebody. If one of your kids, one of your grandkids, a coworker, somebody uses a word that, that, that that's, you know, they seem to know the meaning of and they're trying to introduce that or introducing into a conversation. I, I, you just said a word that I don't know. I, I, I'm curious, could you say that word again and, and how do you spell it? I mean, I do this all the time. I'm a wordsmith, I, that's what I care about. I craft words for, you know, sermons and lessons and teachings. And I, every once in a while I hear a word, I go, man, I've never heard that word. What does that mean? And so in a conversation, if you're in a conversation with somebody and you hear a term, heteropatriarchy, heteronormativity, and say, could you, I'm sorry, I don't, you just used a word, I don't, I don't know, I've never heard that word before. Could you, you know, tell me what that word means? Just so ask, just get curious, okay? What, what I'm trying to do around this to enter into grace and truth, get curious. Before we get judgmental, let's stay curious. 
what is that word? What does it mean? How do you understand that? Because when I hear marriage, I think man and woman. But you say marriage and you, you refer to it in ways that I don't fully understand or necessarily agree with. At the bottom here, beware of um, assumptions, beware of implications. So behind some of these words are a whole set of assumptions. The assumption that gender is not male and female, that gender is a spectrum, gender is a social construct. We're going to dive into that uh, at greater length. Um, the, the, the cis, to even use the word cisgender, I, that's just not a term that I use. I, I know the word. I've, I've had to learn the word, you know, in recent years. But underneath it are some assumptions and implications. And, and so that's where the action really is. You know, up here at the level of the terms, I can read the term, I can, I can understand it, but underneath it are a set of assumptions that themselves have not always been made known openly. We Christians do this, right? So we, we use words... And underneath it is a set of assumptions, is a framework that, that supports the meaning of that word. And so we'll talk about creation. We'll talk about, I use the word incarnation, the incarnate word. Well, somebody who's not a Christian, somebody who's Buddhist or Muslim or something, here's the phrase incarnate word. What are you talking about? And so Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. There's an assumption of a Trinity and a, a framework around that that we've assembled and built over time, our theological framework that is derived from Scripture and observing Scripture and putting Scripture together and letting Scripture talk to Scripture and making sense of these things. And so we have an a, 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 a intellectual framework, a theological, theoretical framework that undergirds. So when we talk about somebody, you know, are, are you born again? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, if there's somebody who's outside the church, don't, don't know those phrases— you know, are, are you, are you saved? Uh, you know, have you given your heart to the Lord? Uh, have you confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is resurrected from the dead? You know, in a completely secular society where people have not gone to church and we know folks aren't going to church anymore. So you have people no longer raised in the church. We're speaking a a language that people don't understand. There's a whole framework that we understand. We inhabit, we indwell those theological understandings. But to the person outside the church, it is gobbledygook. And so there are some, and I'm going to unpack this in a future Basement Academy, there are some who are talking about this whole gender ideology, gender identity movement as a religion that it has its high priests, it's got its original sins, uh, it's got its heresies, um, it's got its salvation, it's got its um, uh, transformative realities that lead to salvation. It, it's an interesting, powerful reflection I heard recently of someone who's not a religious person themselves, 
but how this movement operates as a religion. And I thought that was interesting. So all of that is to say, pay attention to the assumptions. Again, if you don't know, ask. When somebody says, are you cis or trans? Oh, uh, can you talk about that a little bit more? You know, what were you assigned at birth? I, uh, what, what do you mean by assigned at birth? Well, you know, you know, you're, you're, gender and, and biological sex are not the same thing. Oh, oh what do you mean by that? Where did you come up with that? Oh, well, you know, I read a book one time by Judith Butler and she talked about, you say, oh, okay, so there's a Bible, right? There's a sacred text that, that people appeal to. So anyway, I told you early, you had to put your thinking cap on, right? I apologize if this has felt wonky or, you know, a little highfalutin, but, but it's important that we wrestle with this and sit in the tension, as I said yesterday, do our homework, try to learn these terms, learn the terms so that we can know how to ask about the assumptions and try to discern the implications of some of these terms um, because this is where it's so very critical for our understanding in schools, with our children, grandchildren, in the legal, medical, and uh, other uh, arenas of our life. The assumptions are being embraced without even realizing they're being embraced. So anyway, let's close with prayer. Uh, we'll pick up tomorrow and go a little bit further, okay? Let's pray. And so, Father, thank you. In the midst of the confusion and using words, we thank you that there is a word, an eternal word that speaks with truth and power and creates um, new life. And so create that new life in us. Help us to cling to your word and help us to walk uh, in wisdom. And so uh, take these thoughts, hopefully make something of them, Lord, make something of understanding that we may grow in grace and truth as the followers of Jesus, in whose name we pray, and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God, the Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ, the living word and the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you, bless you, watch over you this day and forevermore. Amen.